Hey there, literary aficionados, wordsmiths, and aspiring Hemingways. Welcome back to another riveting episode of the Pen to Profit podcast, Fiction Writing Tips. I'm your host, proofreader, copy editor, and writing consultant, Ray Evans. And today we're going to delve into the equivalent of landing that first date with your crush, hooking your reader from page one. Because let's be honest, in the world of self-publishing, you've got to do more than just tickle their fancy, but also knock their literary socks off. And today's episode, which is titled, Rock'em Sock'em Reader Engagement. How to hook your readers from page one, we're going to show you how to do that. So let's get into it. Welcome to the Pin to Profit Podcast. This show is the fiction author's one-stop shop for all things writing, from pinning captivating prose to the nitty-gritty of grammar, to tips, tricks, and insider advice on marketing to turn your passion for writing into cold, hard cash. Because the only thing better than writing the next great American novel is making a fortune doing it. Am I right? With our guidance, you'll be raking in book sales faster than a cheetah on roller skates chasing a squirrel with a winning lottery ticket. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get ready to go on a rollicking ride into the realm of writing riches because the Pin to Profit podcast starts now. You know, they say you never get a second chance to make a first impression. In the book world, that means your opening sentence needs to be the literary equivalent of a Jimi Hendrix guitar solo, unforgettable and leaving them wanting more. That opening line is your welcome mat, your elevator pitch, and your opening act all rolled into one. In the blink of an eye, or perhaps a more leisurely eye flutter if you're a romanticist, it sets the stage for your reader's entire journey. A ho-hum first sentence can exile your book faster than Napoleon to Elba, while an electric opener can transform it into the bell of the literary ball. So why is this bad boy so pivotal? Think about this. You're navigating a sea of books, each clamoring for your attention like starved seagulls at a beach picnic. Your opening sentence is the equivalent of one of those seagulls swooping down and snagging the chip right out of your hand. It's got to be audacious and so enthralling that the reader thinks, well, if this sentence is this tantalizing, what golden treasures await me in the paragraphs to come? Let's take a trip across the pond for some British examples, shall we? Example 1. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. From Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. Here Dickens drops you into a state of paradoxical limbo. The best and worst of times? What is this? Schrodinger's era? You're instantly curious about the world where such opposites coexist. And yes, sir, you're reading on. Example 2. Last night I dreamt I went to Manderley again. From Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca. This opener is drenched in nostalgia and foreboding like an old forgotten perfume. Manderley isn't just a place. It's a psychological landscape. And you, the curious reader that you are, are itching to visit. So, my fine literary comrades, the opening sentence isn't just a mere string of words. It's your secret weapon, your Trojan horse, if you will. Get it right, and you're not just at the door. You're a welcomed guest. Let's talk about using dialogue as a hook. Good old dialogue, akin to eavesdropping at a high-stakes poker game in a smoky bar. It's rich, it's potent, and let me tell you, it can hook a reader faster than a cat leaping at a laser pointer. But let's be precise here. We're not talking about any old dialogue. 
No, sir. We're talking about dialogue that poses a question, dialogue that generates intrigue, and dialogue that's the literary equivalent of a smoke-filled room where powerful people make game-changing decisions. You see, the thing about dialogue is that it's immediate. While descriptive prose or internal monologue may offer a scenic road trip through the hills of your narrative, dialogue is a straight shot down the highway, folks. It invites the reader to eavesdrop on a moment so compelling that they're willing to forego all their other commitments, like making dinner, attending Zoom meetings, or scrolling through their never-ending social media feeds. And here's the kicker. Great dialogue not only hooks, but it also invites speculation. It's like that coworker who spills half a secret and then leaves the room. It makes you ask questions you want answers to. Let's look at Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf by Edward Albee, for example. Now, this is definitely a non-traditional pick from the dramatic realm of the Western canon. Edward Albee's play, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? While it's not a novel, the dialogue here is like a masterclass in hookery, if that's even a word. Check it out. Martha, Jesus H. Christ. George, what a dump. Now I know what you're thinking. Those lines are as simple as a kiddie pool, but that's what makes them so brilliant. They're just the kind of lines that make you go, hold the phone, who is Martha? Who's George? And for heaven's sake, what's got them so riled up about this dump? This dialogue is not there for a leisurely chit-chat. It's a grenade lobbed into the room. You hear those lines and you're committed. You don't just want to know more, you need to know more. And before you know it, you're immersed in the lives of George and Martha, ready for all the toxic, heartbreaking, and complex happenings that follow. So there you have it, folks. Dialogue isn't just characters yakking at each other. No, it's your ticket to enticing your reader to come on down the rabbit hole with you. Element number three, the shock factor, or how to jolt your readers awake. Okay, let's talk about shock value or, as I like to call it, narrative defibrillation. I'm talking about moments that jolt the reader. Something so unexpected, it's like finding out your quiet neighbor is actually an international super spy. You see, the thing about shocking your audience is, you're tearing up the script, shredding the predictable, and feeding it into the narrative wood chipper. The result? Pure, undiluted reader engagement. You might be asking, Ray, why do I want to shock my readers? Aren't they here for a nice, calming read? Well, sure, but remember, engagement and excitement are the keys to a lasting impression. You want your readers to close your book and still think about it days, weeks, or even years later. A well-placed shock can send ripples through your narrative so seismic that they'll remember it even as they're on their way to book their next therapy session. Example 1 of the shock factor. Let's start with a classic American example that you might have read in grade school. Shirley Jackson's short story, The Lottery. Imagine a sunny day in a small town. Kids are playing, adults are chatting, and there's an air of excitement because today is the day of the lottery, but unlike winning the Powerball, you don't want your number called in this draw. When it is finally revealed what the winner actually gets, let me tell you folks, you could hear a pin drop. Not in the story, but in your very soul. The story flips the script so hard that it could qualify for the gymnastics team. Example 2. Now let's hop across the pond for another shocker. George Orwell's 1984. You spend the whole book with Winston, rooting for him, empathizing with him as he navigates this grim dystopia. And just when you think he's going to break free and stick it to Big Brother, what happens? The guy loves Big Brother. That's right, folks. It's a twist ending that could make even M. Night Shyamalan say, Whoa, I didn't see that coming. So, writers, as you build your opus, don't forget to pack a little dynamite. Just when your reader is getting cozy, pull the rug out, flip the script, break the mold. Life is full of surprises. And your story should be too. This isn't a 9 to 5 job. 
It's an adventure, and every good adventure needs a little shock and awe. And finally, element four, mini cliffhangers, a.k.a. narrative trampolines. The mini cliffhangers, the literary version of a roller coaster that takes you up, 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 and then suddenly stops. You're hanging there, staring down, gripping the safety bar, and thinking, why did I ever get on this ride? That's the question you want your reader asking. Why did I ever pick up this book if I can't put it down? Many cliffhangers make each chapter an investment, and you better believe your readers will stick around for the payout. Here's the scoop, folks. Many cliffhangers are the tantalizing morsels that feed the reader's insatiable hunger for what happens next. They're the moments where your readers should be contemplating whether to close the book and go to sleep or plunge into the next chapter and risk dark circles under their eyes. It's the sleep deprivation tool in your author's toolbox, and who doesn't love keeping people awake at night pondering their existence? Not to be dramatic, but mini cliffhangers can make or break your reader's level of engagement. The mechanics of the mini cliffhanger. Now, crafting a mini cliffhanger isn't just throwing your character off a metaphorical cliff and saying, catch you next chapter, folks. It's about timing, pacing, and relevance. You've got to build up to it, create the tension and the suspense, and then drop the proverbial bomb. The last line of your chapter should be the first line in your reader's mind when they wake up in the middle of the night. So a perfect example of this comes from Charles Dickens, and no, not from his bank account, though that had its own cliffhangers. I'm talking about great expectations. In the novel, we get these cliffhangers when Pip keeps discovering startling truths about his benefactor. Just when you think he's about to sail smoothly into his future, Dickens hits you with the revelation that his benefactor isn't who he thought. It's not just a bump in the road. It's a seismic shift that leaves you clawing for the next page. Dickens was like the Spielberg of his day, always keeping you on the edge of your seat. All right, authors, I hope that you took notes. The mini cliffhanger is not your enemy. It's your secret weapon. It's the icing on the cake, the cherry on top, the, well, you get the point. Use it wisely, and may your readers never have a peaceful night of sleep again. This is Ray Evans, and remember, your book shouldn't just be a page-turner, it should be a soul-shaker. Keep tuning into the Pen to Profit podcast for more seismic shifts in your writing world. And if you enjoyed this episode, my dear friend, could you do me a favor and rate it five stars and write a pithy review on what you liked? It helps the show grow and reach more people. And that's a wrap, folks. This is Ray Evans from the Pen to Profit podcast signing off. And remember, keep your pens sharp and your wits sharper. Until next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Pin to Profit Podcast. If you've enjoyed hanging out with us today, swing by iTunes or your podcast app of choice and leave a rating and write a review. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to get more of this grammar goulash delivered piping hot to your ear holes every week. And if you're looking for more tips, tricks, and free trainings that aren't available anywhere else, click the link in the show notes to join the Author Success Hub Facebook group. It's one part mastermind group and one part creative writing workshop. Except you can attend in your pajamas without judgment. Plus, you'll be mixing it up with fellow authors who are all about that writing and profiting life. Until next time, keep putting pen to paper and turning those pages to profit. Ciao.